Good morning and welcome to the very first gathering of 2021. Happy New Year, church. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Andrew. And uh, fun fact about me, I am a New Year's baby. So I just uh, turned 34. For some of you, you were thinking, dude, that is so, so old. You are super old. And for some of you, you were thinking the opposite. You're thinking, man, you are so, so young. Regardless of where you land on that spectrum, I just want to thank you for joining us. And I just want to take a moment to welcome you here. And really quickly, I just want to say this. If you are new with us, our heart's desire is to see you moving from being a guest with us to being part of our family. And we really mean that. We really believe that the church is not some event that you tune into online or even a place that you go when COVID's not a thing, but actually a people that you were invited to be part of, a family. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more today. But our heart's desire would be to see you moving from being a spectator or guest to part of our family. And one of the most simple ways that you can get started on that process is by texting your name to the number that you see on the screen below me. Now, uh, over the last year or a couple years, we've been walking through the book of Matthew together, and periodically we take a break uh, just to explore a particular theme that's going on in our world or something that the, the Lord's laid on our heart. And, uh, and so we're going to be doing that once more uh, as we enter into the new year together. We're going to take a, a season, uh, these next three weeks, just to prepare ourselves uh, to, to ask the question, what does it look like for, for Jesus to actually help us thrive in this current moment that we find? ourselves in. Uh, 2020 and still now in early 2021 has been an unimaginable season. If you'd asked me this time last year, if I could have imagined that we would have gone through a Christmas season where our church would not have gathered together for Christmas Eve, I would have probably laughed in your face. And I think that's probably the, the typical response for most of us. I don't think any of us could have imagined that we wouldn't be able to have Christmas dinners with our extended families in our house where we'd have to uh, go into stores wearing masks, where we would have have to um, not have people that we love and care about gather together to worship Jesus together um, over the Christmas season or, or on any Sunday. And yet this is the reality that we find ourselves in. And so uh, as we continue on, uh, what I want to draw out for us is that uh, this is for many of us a very difficult and disoriented season. Uh, And probably most of us are actually feeling like strangers in our own hometown, in our own world at the moment. This is something like we've never experienced. The passage that we're going to take a look at today is a portion of a letter written by the prophet Jeremiah to the people of Israel who had been deported to the country of Babylon. And it was, as you can imagine, a completely disorienting experience. Even though they had to settle down and try to live a new normal, uh, things were foreign. They, they didn't understand the language. The culture was different. Everything had changed around them. And yet, as we look at it, what I hope you'll see is not only a call to encouragement that can be true for us today as it was 2,500 years ago, but also a warning that can help us navigate in the midst of this chaos. So if you have your Bibles, I want to op- uh, invite you to open them up to Jeremiah chapter 29, uh, and we're going to get started right in verse 4. So this is what, uh, what God speaks through Jeremiah the prophet to these people of Israel living in Babylon. He says this, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they, pro- that, that, 
what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yet this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams they encourage you encourage them to have, for they are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. And when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have, where I've banished you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place where, from which I carried you into exile. As we take a, a look at this passage, I think first and foremost, the thing that we can't miss is how it starts. You see, it starts off with this foundational assumption that God is in control. God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah makes it crystal clear that he is the one in charge. This is what it says. This is what the Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is so foundational to learning how to thrive in the season of chaos. You see, we are called to see that even if it feels like life is out of control, and I'll be honest, it really has felt like that. Uh, we are reminded that there is one who is great, who is in control and who is at work for our good. And this is exactly the point that Isaiah or sorry, that Jeremiah makes in, uh, in verse 11, when he talks about uh, the plans that God has for his people, plans to prosper them, give them a hope in the future, to form them and shape them through this process. But there's an issue here. You see, the Israelites seemed to be missing that this was what God wanted to accomplish. And instead of looking at this moment as a gracious act from a good God, they see it as this tragic inconvenience that's keeping them from living the life that they want. And this is why God is confronting them here regarding the words of the false prophets that they have encouraged the prophets to have. Again, let's look at verse eight. What does it say? Yes, this is what the Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel says, do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the, listen to the dreams you encourage them to have, for they are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. So we see that God clearly has a plan for how to shape Israel. Uh, He wants them to be this salt and light people in this very difficult season. In fact, he calls Israel to live in a particular way that they will take advantage of this season of disruption to be a display and declare people of what he is like in this state of exile among this hostile culture that they're feeling all around them. But as we can see, if we read the rest of the letter, there were these prophets who were going around and essentially playing to Israel's self-pity and frustration That was the reality of what the exiles were feeling, telling them, don't worry, this isn't going to last long. You can go back to normal. 
And the problem with this is that they were actually diverting the hearts and attention of God's people from the work he wanted to do in and through them. They were taking their focus away from the plan that God had for them and squarely putting it on their own self-pity. You know, I think in so many ways, we can feel like the exiles did. Our lives have been upended and the place we find ourselves in is, is disorienting. It's unfamiliar. Systems, people, and habits that we once leaned heavily on are gone. And like the Israelites that we see in this passage, it can be so easy for us just to want to shut down and wait for all of this to end. Or uh, oppositely, to respond in, in just hostility towards our culture or our circumstances, to push against them in anger and frustration. And it's so easy in this season to listen to others who encourage these thoughts and attitudes. But here's the problem. All of this takes our eyes and focus off of God his will for this season, his plan for us, and puts it squarely on me and my own self-pity. And there's a second issue that Isaiah, sorry, Jeremiah is warning us against. Uh, not only does he warn us against uh, listening to people who are going to, to bring our focus on our own self-pity, but he also warns us against the source of our hope. You see, for the, the people of Israel, their source of hope was squarely located in getting back home, getting back to normal, getting back to the temple and the way life used to be. But here's the problem with that. You see, if they, like us, uh, place our hope ultimately in temporal earthly things, then inevitably we will end up in despair because they are temporal earthly things. They will pass. And these two warnings are just as true for us as they were to the Israelites. And they're, they're helpful reminders because although we can relate to the season of exile that the Israelites were experiencing in our own current moment, uh, more than that, we are actually called to live out an identity of exile in the everyday stuff of life, not just in COVID. The apostle Peter, one of Jesus' earliest followers, took up this theme in the first letter that he writes to several churches, and he reminds them that they are exiles. If you have your Bibles, flip over to 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, this is what Peter writes. Uh, right off the bat, he calls the churches, um, he calls them exiles. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. He, he roots his very beginning in this identity that he says we as followers of Jesus have. And he continues on. We can read further in verse 17 of chapter one. He says, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. So he says, since you trust in a God who is all powerful, who judges justly, live lives in light of who that God is as foreigners in reverent fear of God. He should be the focus. He should be the one in which we are seeking to honor. And he continues on in verse 18. He says, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but by the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. For he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him and so your faith and hope are in God. What's Peter saying here? Well, he's saying that we are foreigners, exiles, living in a land that is perishable. 
But because of Jesus, because of the cross, our hope is eternal. Our hope is not in going back to normal or in a vaccine or even being able to gather together on a Sunday morning. Our hope is to be firmly in Jesus. In fact, Peter even echoes uh, Jeremiah's earlier sentiment that this time of trial is God's grace to help us become more like him. Uh, Peter writes this in chapter three, verse 14. Listen to what he says. Sorry, chapter three, starting in verse 13. He says, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? I mean, who's going to come after you if you're doing good? And yeah, he says, but even if that should happen, even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do not do this, uh, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. And here brings us to our ultimate question. Do we love God so much? Is our hope so firmly placed in him and the inheritance that he has promised us and the work that he has done on the cross that we would be willing to suffer for the sake of his purposes and plans? I mean, just a little thought experiment here. Take a moment to ask yourself this. If you had a choice between suffering through another pandemic, I mean, we're talking no family Christmases, no church gatherings, masks everywhere you go, but it meant that thousands of people in the city of Victoria would be more receptive to the gospel. Would you do it? Peter says, if we are to become like Jesus, who became an exile of heaven to come to earth so that we might become citizens of heaven, then our answer must be an unequivocal yes. If God is the one calling the shots in our life, then his plans and his purposes, no matter if they are costly, no matter if they hurt, no matter if there's suffering involved, are the best ones. And they are the ones that we must say yes to because we know they are good. How do we know? Because of the cross, because Jesus became an exile for us so that we now can live as exiles here. And so church, if this is the case if we can first off trust that God is good, that he is in control and that he can and will use our current circumstances for his good purposes and our good, how do we respond? Well, then we should ask, what do you want to do with me, Lord? What do I need to be? And it's the very question that we see in the book of Jeremiah that the Israelites were failing to ask. God set this beautiful picture for them of, of how they could thrive in the, in the chaos of exile. They were called to live very normal lives. We see that right from the beginning. They're called to build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat their produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and daughters. They were called to live ordinary average lives in the midst of these circumstances. And yet, at the same time, they were called to live them in a way that demonstrated and declared what God was like with godly intentionality, what we at West Village would call gospel intentionality. 
They were not to be like the ordinary citizens of Babylon, but to demonstrate what it meant to be citizens of heaven. Or as Peter noted, and we saw earlier, to to live a life that would cause the people around them to ask about the hope that they had. What I want to do for this last half of our time together is just share and celebrate the way that God has indeed been at work in our church family in this season using the unique circumstances that we find ourselves in in this pandemic to grow us to be more like him as we are learning to put our hope firmly in him and his work and his plans and in the eternal inheritance that he has given us and learning to repent of our idols, these temporary things that we have worshipped and have been suddenly stripped away. One of the ways that we continually frame what it looks like to be more like Jesus is around our new identity that we signify through baptism. So we're going to get there maybe at the end of 2021, but in Matthew chapter 28, we're commanded to be baptized in the name of God, the father, in the name of God, the son, and in the name of God, the Holy spirit. And this isn't just some like arbitrary ritual saying it's in fact a declaration of a new identity. We are a new people. And this change is what makes us exiles in the world that we live in now. So how do we thrive in chaos? We continually rest in the hope that we have in Jesus and in who he has made us. We are the family of God because God is our father. We are servants of Jesus because he is our king and we are missionaries sent and empowered by the spirit who empower was sent out to declare who Jesus was. And so what we should naturally see as we continue to submit ourselves to Jesus, we continue to allow him to do his work in this season in our lives. And we continue to place our hope ultimately in him is that we continue to grow in these identities. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, take a moment to, to go through uh, just some stories that people in our church have experienced in this season. Uh, we're going to go on Zoom and, and I'm going to ask them uh, in different groups to share how they've grown as family, as the Spirit has been at work in them, bringing them together, helping them understand what it looks like for, for God to be our Father and for us to be His kids. And then look at some people who are, are wrestling through what it looks like to make Jesus the king of their life as they regularly learn to submit to his power and authority and plan for this season. And finally, what it looks like in the midst of COVID for people to continue to grow in this heart for mission. So uh, I'm going to jump right in here and invite you to come on, stick around with me. Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining me and sharing how the Spirit has been at work in you through this season. Uh, I have with me Scott and Jen. Uh, They're part of my community group. They've been part of West Village for a couple of years. Uh, Love them both. Uh, They've been hugely uh, a huge blessing in our family. Uh, Selena has been growing up, you know, partially at West Village. Now she's uh, been serving with our high school students. Uh, and Dave and his wife, Brianna, Brianna's on staff with us. Uh, and Dave is kind of the force behind her. Uh, he's a nurse um, working at uh, Victoria General Hospital. And they've been uh, part of West Village for quite a while. We're part of the Sandwich Expression uh, and now actually apprenticing to be community group leaders. So first of all, thank you all for joining us. Um, I've asked you all here to share how you've been growing in your identity in Christ through this process, especially in terms of living together as family. I think so often church is a social gathering or a program, uh, but the reality is in COVID, um, that's actually been stripped away and we've actually had to learn what it truly means to be family. When I was in college, I remember just that feeling like I couldn't see my family regularly. And then I discovered Skype for the very first time and it was like mind blowing. I was like, oh, I can actually like see my family and talk to them over the internet. And it was like this really beautiful thing that I was so thankful for. 
and, you know, it's so funny. I know that Zoom has, um, you know, been a challenge for us and, and Zoom fatigue is a real thing. But one of the things that I've been just struck by in the season is like, if we're truly living like family, then being connected in any way possible is something that we want to still pursue. Um, and so, uh, yeah, because because we truly love one another. And so I'd love just to hear from each of you um, a little bit of how you've been learning what it means to be the family of God or how you've been experiencing that family identity lived out or how you've been just growing in your conviction of that family identity in the season. So maybe Scott and Jen, if I can start with you and if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit of how you've been experiencing that family piece in your own lives in 2020. Sure. Um, Jen and I, uh, I'm new to the Island. I I've, been here about three years. Um, so I grew up and lived in Ontario for the first uh, uh, 58 years of my life, I guess. Uh, that's a long time, you know, and and pretty embedded there and so on. So coming here and leaving all that behind was already has already been somewhat of an exile, exilic kind of experience. And then to have this kind of thrown on top of it uh, just exacerbates the, the, the whole thing. And so uh, it's been it's been, I think, for at least for me, I think almost doubly, um, doubly uh, difficult in, in certain ways. Um, but all that to say that being involved with our CG group, that, that's been very important to us uh, both. Um, uh, and, and we've really appreciated it. And so to not be able to interact the same way with, with that group. Uh, was has been very challenging and and in the beginning for me at least I, I, I think um, and I'm kind of a um, you know I, I, I'm okay with solitude right I, I like to read and stuff like that so I can be on my own without too much difficulty so in the beginning it wasn't too bad but and I thought well we've got zoom so using zoom uh, our CG has been very active on zoom very good at getting together and so on. And so in the beginning, I, you know, thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe this won't be all that bad, but as time went on, it became very clear that zoom, you know, that digital virtual meeting doesn't replace physically meeting, you know? So the physicality of our lives, uh, you know, I really realized how, have we really realized how, how important that is, you know, and, and, and we've really missed that. Um, and so it's forced us, I think, uh, to um, reckon with that and to lean on the Lord in in um, in dealing with our loneliness, you know, and and recognizing that um, you know we talk a lot about Jesus as our friend and 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 these kinds of things, but when we don't have other people around near as much, it really really makes you think about you know how real that is or if it is real you know and so for me at least that's been that's been a challenge you know I, and at times um uh i have felt distant you know not felt that you know and so it's it's motivated me to want to have that more to pursue that more to think about that that more and and so i think in that way it, it has been a, a a challenging but growing uh experience that's really cool i think just you know, it sounds like number one, you, you got to even just experience like how important being part of a church family and what it means to be a part of a church family really is, you know, in, in a, in a new way, as you've had to like, see that change through COVID. And so it's actually like helped you like understand the richness of that beforehand. So that's, yeah, that's awesome. And, and I think the work of the Holy Spirit, even just saying, Hey, like, I want you to grow in your understanding of this as a, 
a part of who I am. Um, how about for you, Selena? So you've been hanging out with our, you know, our high school students. Uh, what has it looked like for you uh, just to be growing in, living out, experiencing that family identity uh, throughout COVID? Yeah, um, I think it's definitely, it's been really hard on me personally since March because I think some people might know me pretty well and then some people, I still, there's so many faces that I don't even recognize and I've been here for so long. Um, But I'm quite extroverted and like a very people-oriented person. So like the minute everything went online, I kind of panicked. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, ah, what am I going to do? Stuck in my house all day. Um, And I think that one of my first thoughts was also like, what are we going to do with the youth group? Because all of these teens are so close to each other. A lot of them for sure have grown up together and they're used to seeing each other all the time on Wednesday. And it's that initial moment of like, oh no, like (laughs) just um, really having to trust that God had a plan in there somehow that even though it was all all of a sudden the carpet was ripped out from underneath us um, that he still had a way and it was going to work out. And I think that um, there's been some interesting creative ideas that have come out of this throughout the leadership team. Um, There's been, oh man, what have we done now? There's so many little things that have gone on. Well, there's a lot of these Zoom calls that have happened and even that, um, just the hard work that has gone into this from all of the leaders I'm so thankful for them and just the tireless work that they're putting in and just the sheer trust in God and that. And um, yeah, we've had some really cool moments where um, because we've been forced to have smaller groups that there have been some really awesome conversations and just connections that I have never seen until this year. And I've been serving with the youth for like, I think this is going to be my second, third year, third year working um, in this youth group. And yeah, just like, I don't know, we had a girls night a while ago and there was like real tears, real emotion, and it was just super cool. And um, I've never connected with the girls on that level before and neither have a lot of our female leaders. And I don't know, as much as it's frustrating for sure to try and do things online, like you said, the Zoom fatigue, um, there have just been absolutely incredible moments that I don't think could have happened in our regular big group that we usually do and um yeah it's just forcing everybody to get to know each other on a deeper level and um God is definitely at work and moving in ways that I haven't seen before and it's just really awesome to be a part of that and to um get to be in these guys lives and um yeah just to be with all of the other leaders too, they're all fantastic. And I'm so grateful to be on this team. Yeah, that's awesome. And just even to think like, man, if this was our, you know, like I even think back to Scott and Jen, you know, Scott moving and Jen both from Ontario moving out here to BC, like you want to do whatever you can to still stay connected. You know, that's mm-hmm. what family does. And, and you guys in the, in the youth level have actually experienced that. Like, how do we still stay connected as a family? Not only that, but as you've done that now got like the spirit's been like, like providing ways for you to actually like grow in that family identity so Mm -hmm. you can get deeper and know each other more and be more invested in each other's lives. Like that's so cool. And even to think that maybe this wouldn't even happened if 2020 hadn't happened, like, man, how good is God in that? Hey. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And David, if you wouldn't mind just finishing off uh, for us again, same question to you. What does it look like for you to either grow in your family identity experience lived out um, towards you or uh, been able to live it out towards others in this season? Yeah, thanks. Um, Brianna and I moved uh, during this pandemic into um, a co-op, actually the same co-op that Chris and Kelly live and, uh, and many others in West Village. And so that was, um, we got to move into a bigger place and we just felt called um, to host people in our new home. We, it's, uh, it's bigger. We lived in an apartment before and, you know, what does family do? We invite people into our home. Uh, we share meals. So uh, the first couple of months we moved in, there were some kitchen renos and we were just eager to start having people come in and, you know, Brianna and I like our space as well, but we do, we felt it was stretching to um, have people under a home. And so uh, there was an opportunity uh, after the, or I guess during the summer and a little bit after the summer, while we were still able to meet to host CG. We figured that was a good way to, um, to use this opportunity to have a bigger place. Um, and then when there started restrictions started to get a little bit tighter only so you could only have six in your home. So then we had to adapt and, and we got to just, um, we had just joined a new CG as well. So we got to know um, a group of people that we hadn't known as well, um, even better by just having them in our home. And we also got to experience family because, you know, they would clean up or like our mess after like a, you know the kitchen and then you know the teenagers would look after the kids and I, I would say our kitchen was probably cleaner than is if than if we had done it so that was just a huge blessing and um, we're looking forward to you know 2021 hopefully we can uh, continue having people in our home um, you know if not we are still having awesome time on zoom yeah, that's awesome, Dave. And just like that picture of how, you know, you could have gone into this transition in like 2020 where it was like, you know what, we're in a new place. We have an excuse to just settle in and try and like get our bearings. But, you know, the spirit kind of pressed on you like, no, this isn't what this is for. Like, I actually want you to live out life with family. So you need to open up um, and like actually use this space to to help facilitate that. And And who knows, like, I mean, it's so cool to see that that's something that God was forming you and, and even like having other people demonstrate that into your life. So yeah, that's awesome guys. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, it's so cool to see what God's done, even in like a year where we can't gather together, where it's been, you know, difficult. And yet, you know, that hasn't stopped Jesus from building his church and building each of us into disciples. Um, so yeah, thank you all so much for sharing. All right, uh, West Village family, I want to once more just introduce you to, uh, we have three people here today from our church family, just want to share with you. Uh, so uh, right over, you can't see this because of the way that uh, Zoom works, but you'll see her in a second, Carrie. Uh, and then we have Troy and we have Andrea, and they are um, all part of our church family and uh, just going to be able to share with us a little bit today. Um, but just to kind of uh, help us understand what they're going to be sharing. So as we've continued through this pandemic, one of the ways that we are growing in our identity is by increasingly understanding our lives is not our own. Um, so we talked about this earlier, but if Jesus is our king, then that makes us his servants. And oftentimes in West Village, we frame this idea around the theme of serving one another as Jesus has served us, which is definitely true. 
but it's important to understand that there's another, maybe even deeper in, uh, aspect to this um, that needs to happen. Uh, we need to actually learn in order to serve others like Jesus has served us to submit first to Jesus as our King, as our Lord, to grow in our love and worship for him. And I'm sure that this season has been challenging for, for all of us and all of you who are about to share, but I know that it has also been a sweet time because, um, because it's actually uh, empowered you to learn to submit more of your life to Jesus. And so I'd love for you just to take each a minute or two to share what that has looked like. So Carrie, why don't you start us off and just share, you know, in 2020 in this COVID season, yeah, how have you learned uh, to grow in your identity as a servant of King Jesus? Um. At the beginning of all this, I was just like struggling. I, I cried so much. But anyway, uh, I was struggling a lot and like coming to God and just being like, are you good? Are you good? Are you are you who you say you are? And uh, like he has been so faithful in answering that for me. And um, I realized like the Holy Spirit pointed out to me that I have a tendency to numb my feelings and numb just like I don't want to feel any kind of suffering and I don't like bad feelings I want things to be happy and joyful and uh but when you're faced with reality as like an extrovert to being <laughs> forced to stay home and I realized even just like like his creation I used uh I worship sometimes the creation instead of the creator right and like God was like yeah, you can't go out and you can't see people and have them speak into your life. You can't go out and necessarily and see my creation and stuff, but uh, like you have me and I am enough for you. And yes, I am good and I am full of loving kindness. And so through establishing like a quiet time, a quiet routine, um, God has just been so good and, and um faithful to answer prayers and i just wanted to share something that like the holy spirit totally brought me to and um has so much significance to me <laughs> it was in psalm 107 uh verse 8 and 9 it says let them thank the lord for his steadfast love for his wondrous works to the children of man for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things like good things and that means like he fills the, he fills your soul with himself and I know it can be so easy to just like put it off because either you just don't have the desire yet to dive in with Jesus, but like be obedient to that call on your life. It is so fruitful and so life-giving and so like joy-inducing. <laughs> and I've like come to find so much satisfaction in Jesus. And like last week, church family the holy spirit put it on my heart to pray for you guys and i was just like on my hands and knees crying and little eleanor it was like 5 30 in the morning eleanor woke up early that day and she was like looking at me all weird <laughs> but um i was just praying for you guys i feel like the spirit is like waking us up as a church and just as something better he is something better for us and it's himself and like so and also, I just have to say, I found out from talking to a friend that they have been, they started praying for me a year ago. The Spirit put it on their heart to pray for me that I would be obedient in having a quiet time with the Lord. And that is like, has come to fruition. And I just like, I'm so thankful. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. You know, like someone else learning to submit to Jesus' call to pray for you 
led to the heart transformation for you to now be praying for others like that's such a beautiful Mm -hmm. picture of just like submission to jesus that leads to submission to jesus that leads to worship for jesus yeah thank you carrie um troy how about you how have you been finding you know just deepening your your identity in jesus in this season i think that i've really been struck as i've been um so in the last couple of years to back up i've been trying to go through predominantly a book of the bible um, as, and just try and deep, uh, deep, dive deeper into, uh, into that. And so this year it was John, the book of John, and usually I'll go through it, uh, multiple times throughout the year, sometimes with Bible commentaries, um, and with other things. And, um, there's been, the, the book of John is very rich, um, very, very rich. Um, but I think, um, in the last while um, and speaking about the identity of servant is, is that Jesus constantly is referring to the father and doing his will and speaking his words. That kind of struck me partway through the pandemic is like, I, I don't care enough about other people's eternity. Um, and it might've come through sermons as well as that, but just seeing Jesus focus, seeing the disciples focus. And, and, um, and so part of that for me has been, like, yeah, just bring other parts of my life before him. Um, and, and one thing that, that I found I missed, um, as a community is just the, the taste and see nights that, that we were able to be together with that had to stop shortly after, um, the pandemic or in that way. And, um, and so like part of my own life has just been making that a, a fairly regular occurrence. Um, and, and some weeks are, are great. Some days where I'll, I'll, I'll fast, I'll have my dinner the one night and then I'll fast until about four o'clock or five o'clock the next day. Um, and some days it's, it's a joy and other days it's a real challenge because in the afternoon, um, my energy dips, um, and it's challenging, but really in those moments where it's testing, that's been teaching me, you know, like, you know, not my will, but your will, uh, and to, and to crave the things that are, that are bigger, um, that are more important than, than food, uh, even. Um, and so, yeah, I think through, throughout, um, those things and the pandemic and and the questions that I've been asking, it's led to other things like just being more critical about, um, what, what I spend my leisure time on. Um, there, there's a lot of good media out there, um, but there's a lot of harmful and there's stuff that maybe isn't necessarily inherently bad, but just, um, you know, if we focus on that, if we indulge our desire to be comforted by it, can it can still take your attention off of off of Jesus? Um, and I mean, yeah, the scriptures. Just how I've been, um, I feel like just convicted of is just to yeah to direct my focus more back on Jesus and and the times where. Um, there's been times where it's like, oh, I, I, I need to. And there's times when like, I, I can't, like, I, I need this time with Jesus. I, because otherwise I'm a mess. Like I'm anxious. I'm, uh, I'm looking at the situation. I'm looking at how life is going to change and, and how, um, in some ways, um, scary that could be. Uh, and so, uh, I've, yeah, I've needed it. Yeah, totally. I think, um, yeah, it's just like a, a season where the spirit's been, like stripping some things away so that he can make other things clear for you of areas that he wants you to submit. Um, You know, whether that's, you know, how you spend your time, who you spend your time with, or even just a sense of like, Hey, you need to regularly like uh, have a passion to like, like lay down 
you know, regular meal a week so that you can be in relationship with me. Like that's a, a cool act of like just submitting your heart. Yeah. Um, let's finish off here. Um, if you just want to finish off by just sharing, you know, I know this has been a crazy, crazy year for you. You're just sharing before with the call, all the things that are going on. So yeah. How has, how have you been finding yourself just growing in this submission to Jesus um, this year? Okay, so when I was 24, I'm 43 now, so 20 years ago, I gave my life to Jesus, and my walk with him was side by side, right? He was first in my life all the way. And then came family, came kids, came marriage, and of course, he was always in my life, but I started to put other things on top, I believe. Looking back now, that's what I probably did. Uh, and he became not as the most important. He was the most important, but I had priorities. And he was always, I pray when I have time, right? I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to stop. And then when it comes to 2020, it was the biggest year of all of our lives. And a huge one for me, because that was not just COVID, but the call from God in my life, you know, to turn that boat back to the direction he wanted me in since the beginning, that I was drifting away. And, you know, and all of us find sometimes our lives in that situation. Oh, oh, I'm drifting a little bit away from the direction that God called me for as a serving God, as a Christian. I remember when I got that call and I was diagnostic with Hodgkin lymphoma stage four, I was devastated. But I had two options to just feel miserable or trust God and go full speed with him. And the Isaiah 4113 came strong to my heart and said, I will hold your white hand. I will be with you. Remember, trust me. And I remember I called actually came and ran for our church. And I said, okay, I need a prayer. You know, I have cancer and I don't know what to do. Help me through this journey. And I learned a lot from then about how to pray. You know, so I thought I prayed, but now I, I realized that I was horrible praying. I learned how to pray much harder for myself. I learned how to pray for others. Uh, they guide me. And what I found amazing about our church family is that he not just came and prayed for me the first day that I found out I had cancer and they disappeared. Hey, they haven't been praying for me this entire journey. Even today, he asked me, can I pray for you today before you go online? So I didn't feel alone. And Jesus was there the entire time. And he taught me through Zen how to pray to others too, because somebody was praying for me. How can I not pray for others? And that is the beauty, you know, for praying for each other. And I found myself at 3 a.m. praying for a friend that had lymphoma, had actually, because I'm giving a testimony right now. She has actually are two kinds of lymphoma and by praying with her to the past months and said okay i'm going to darkness but you two let's stick together god is good two together is strong as just one so we hold hands and she was at 5 3 a.m here 8 a.m in brazil two days ago i was praying for her here at 3 a.m communicating the whatsapp she went to the pet scan and she called me five hours later to say praise god i'm cured She's doing chemo right now, guys, at the hospital, but without any cancer in her body. So amen. So prayer has power. And that's what I'm learning, you know, and and that's it. You know, we can stop praying and trust God and give our hands, hold his hand and go full speed with him. You know, we cannot do anything, but we can do everything through Jesus. Amen. 
Yeah. Yeah. So powerful. And I know when we talked before, you just shared how, uh, you know, this, this has been like a, and I think you, you kind of got this at the beginning, but like a, a reprioritization of your life, like you were living your life, you know, for, for you. And now you're learning to live your life for Jesus. And men, when that happens, like, it's not easy. I can't imagine, you know, walking through 2020, you know, homeschooling kids and cancer treatments. And yet, you know, let me ask you, would you go back if you could and change it? Or, or is your life, you know, under Jesus's Lordship now better? Honest, people kind of look at me with a big eye saying, are you crazy? 2020 actually was the best year of my life. Yeah. You know, I found my way back home to Jesus. He's first here now. I'm never going to let his be first in my life ever again. I'm not going to let job or life or crisis things I'm going through to put him on the side because so he is going to be my priority. So serving him is going to be my priority. So through this storm, you know, of 2020, I found my way back home. Yeah. And that's amazing. I mean, it's amazing for anyone to be able to say like 2020 is the best year of their life, but how good is Jesus, right? God is yeah. Jesus. Praise God. Yeah. All the victory for the Lord. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you everyone for sharing. Um, and, uh, you know, like our hope in this is that um, our church family just gets encouraged by what God is doing through this. Once more, church family, it is my great pleasure to introduce you to several people who are part of West Village who have been learning to live out this missionary identity. So uh, I have with me Selena, her and her husband Adolfo have been part of West Village for uh, quite a few years. And uh, I also have Leah uh, Gray. And Leah is, if all of you have probably seen Dave at different times, uh, she is like the force behind the force. You know, they say behind every great man is an even greater woman. Uh, Leah is that greater woman. Uh, so Dave leads our, our kids, uh, not our kids, our youth ministry. Um, and, and behind him, his support structure at home is Leah. And then I also have with me Matt and Bree, who I, I think most of you have at different points seen. And they have come uh, all the way from Vancouver. I just feel this call to souk to be missionaries there. Um, one of the most challenging aspects of this pandemic, uh, I, at least I found, may be learning how to live as a missionary. Um, it can be so easy to get caught up in the frustration and self-pity and, and even just not to know where to begin when so much of what we've been taught in how mission looks, uh, things like inviting people into our homes and our lives uh, can probably seem impossible in this moment where we're socially distanced, where uh, we can't have people in our homes, yet nothing is impossible for God. The spirit is still at work and he can still work in us to pursue others. Uh, so the reason that I, I've asked you guys here is because um, you've all had this opportunity to allow the spirit to work through you um, and lead you in mission in this season. And I'd love for you just to take a minute or two each to share what that's looked like with our church family. So Selena, maybe if I can just start with you, uh, do you mind just taking a few minutes just to share how you've been shaped in your missional identity this year, how you've been able to live that out in the pandemic season? To be honest, I think, um, and I'm sure many can relate, uh, the temptation has been through COVID to just kind of withdraw. I mean, you see all the chaos, all the suffering, all the uncertainty, you just kind of want to run away and maybe just like uh, escape to an alternative reality where there's no COVID on Netflix, Netflix or books and just uh, pretend that COVID doesn't exist. And it would be easier to just uh, withdraw from the world and just kind of stay in your safe little bubble but um, 
God, uh, but I feel like uh, God has been showing me how we actually need to be uh, taking up our identity as missionaries even more in this season mm-hmm. because there's just so much loneliness, so much uh, lack of hope in people, and they desperately need to hear about a father who loves them and the hope that we have in Jesus. Um, but during this time, the Holy the Spirit has really been uh, working on my heart as far as my motivation to be on mission. Um, I think sometimes it's easy to um, uh, like do it out of a sense of duty or obligation, like kind of something that we need to check off our list or, um, uh, or even for selfish motives, like to make myself feel good or to make myself look good in front of other people. And so this has really been working on uh, the motivation in my heart that it needs to be purely love love for people. And if I love God, I will love the people that he loves and I will long for them to know him and long for them to have the hope that I have. And so that's been one thing. Um, and then first Corinthians 13, it says love always perseveres. And uh, so definitely COVID has made it complicated to be on mission. It's not the same as it was before. Um, but I think if we truly love people, we're not going to let that hold us back. I mean, and I've been amazed at how the spirit is not held back by the restrictions of COVID. And he's been bringing people into my life during the season uh, to love on. And um, yeah, it maybe looks different. Uh, like it uh, maybe looks like dropping off a meal or some baking, uh, texting people, calling them, writing letters. Um, and just last night, some friends helped me put on an online event where we celebrated the hope of Christmas with some songs and stories. I think we had over a hundred people join us from different parts of the world even. And I even had a friend who I've been praying for for the last nine and a half years. Um, and she was there and it was so exciting to see her come in and hear about the hope that we have in Jesus. And so I, I really encourage all of us that we don't let uh, the restrictions hold us back, that, um, that we would let God pour his love into our hearts and that we would uh, find ways, think outside the box to reach out to people and share the hope that we have in Jesus. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I love how it's, it's not just like what you're doing, but how the spirit is like shaping your heart and even like refining how this is like forced a little bit of that refinement in your own um, spirit in this. So that's awesome. Yeah. How about for you, Leah, what does mission look like for you? How do you feel like God's been shaping and forming your missionary identity in this season? Well, I can relate to Selena talking about the, um, the temptation to pull away. We've actually kind of been torn between the two. I, I have been a little tempted to say, oh, good, we get some family time. Our family is um, really fun and exciting. And we tend to have a house packed with people. So we'd be pretty happy to have like 10 people living in our house at all times, which is awesome. Dave and I both have a huge heart for that. But there's moments where I think, oh, like a date night, just me and Dave, <laughs> just our children would be really neat. So I had a temptation to say COVID, we just get like three months of family time and Dave was like well maybe if we just took every lonely person and fit them into a bedroom and they're technically living with us and they wouldn't be lonely and I was like ah so um we've kind of been torn between those those two things and we have spent a lot more time praying um this has been a, a really huge calling for us in this season to spend some time with the Lord just saying what do you want because our plans all involved having massive amounts of people around us and COVID's changed that. So we spent a lot of time praying and God has done some really neat things. We have a Vietnamese uh, exchange student living in our house in high school. And we also have a Japanese exchange student from high school living in our house, along with our uh, three-year-old and an eight-month-old. And the Vietnamese girl um, 
has been with us for about a year. She feels a lot like family and it's been really fun to have her around. The Japanese girl just showed up a couple months ago and she's really shy and it's been um, a little tough for her to become a part of our family. She wanted to be out with her friends all the time. And we were kind of talking with the program about what does it look like to have her bond with us? And then these new restrictions came with COVID. We were pretty sad about the quarantine, but God's really used it because she has started hanging out with our family in main areas. She's been like a kid where she actually asks if we'll do things with her, which hadn't been a thing before. We've learned that she is a big gamer. Call of Duty is the thing she's doing in her free time. So for the sake of the gospel, David has been gaming <laughs> in our house. And because our Christmas plans for traveling to go visit my family in the interior have been canceled, we took the money we would have spent on that and we actually invested in virtual reality, which is crazy for me because I'm really anti-gaming. But um, we have this big surprise plan for the girls and we've got two sets so we can drop one off at all their friends' houses and do virtual reality gaming together so it's kind of interesting but we've been yeah. keeping up with the youth and online gingerbread houses the other day so god's been moving a lot and we're learning creativity <laughs> yeah oh that's awesome it's cool that you know like for me i'm not a like creative person i'm like a very like think inside the box like you give me like the step-by-step -step process and yet like something like covid can throw you off so much and the spirit isn't stopped by it like he's the most creative one so love hearing how he's just working through you and dave and just like inspiring creativity and in how you like pursue even the the girls that he's brought to your house so yeah thank you so much leah all right, Matt and Bree, uh, can you close us off and just share a little bit? I mean, this has got to be a crazy experience for you, uh, moving out here, uh, building a house, coming as missionaries. How has uh, how's the spirit been at work through you, and how has he been shaping you guys um, in this in this past year? Um, I don't know what's worse for us to go first or last because <laughs> Debbie Downer in here. Uh, it's been like it's been a really been a really challenging it's been a very difficult year for us we've we've never we never built a house before from the bottom up and anyone who who's done it and i'm sure you could imagine there are a lot of a lot of challenges along the way a lot of unforeseen little uh financial and uh administrative challenges throughout uh, we had dreams of having our our doors open uh we've been planning from early on to have all the trades gather at our place for a big barbecue. We're like, we're going to get a, we're going to get a pig. We're going to do a pig roast. We're going to like share a bit about how God called us to come out here and how it could only be done because the Lord, you know, had his hand in it. And it's like, you know, another lockdown, another lockdown. Yeah. Um, so the reality is it's been, it's been pretty challenging. It's been a little bit of um, working through it as a family to, to, ask the Lord how we can be on mission in a season like this. We've had people still, some tradesmen uh, and tradeswomen coming um, in and through our, our doors over the last few months. And, you know, I think about one of the conversations I had with a guy who is here, who uh, is really passionate about politics and was pretty fired up about the election. Mm -hmm. um, pretty right leaning, which was surprising to me to, to be talking to somebody on the Island who, uh, <laughs> looking at the American, uh, election and, and uh, really pulling for the other, pulling for a side I wasn't expecting and was, had some really strong opinions and uh, was feeling that like there was a tremendous amount of injustice going on. Uh, we had to, we had to 
kind of work it through a bit. And I, I was able to give him a, a, a comment like, you know, man, it's, it sounds like really what you want is like a belief in God, that there's a, a, a purpose to this world beyond this stuff. Because otherwise, vigilante justice has got to be the only answer. Like, you know, what about faith in God? Yeah. And yeah, just having him pause and say, um, I wish that I had faith uh, in a God like you do. And uh, it's opened up discussions and, and we're looking forward to more, more with with uh, this individual. I don't want to get into too many specifics, but we've had a couple conversations with people like that that uh, has shown us that the spirit is still at work in and through this season. It has been a grind, though. It's been really it's been it's been tough being locked inside the doors with little kids and um, trying to see the purpose in this home that we thought was going to be just flooded with ministry activity, people coming in and out, songs being sung with people uh, to Jesus and barbecues and conversations around a fire. And it's like this last 5% of just trying to grind it out. And there's a lot of, um, a lot of energy, a lot of blood, sweat and tears there that just kind of, yeah, there, there could be some pretty heavy mission drift with that. So we've been, we've been trying to spend some more time in prayer Mm -hmm. as a, to to make sure that we don't lose the plot in this season because that's a reality um, at a time like that. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine, you know, just coming in, you know, with the hopes and the dreams that you guys have had that this has been like a humbling year in, in a lot of ways, like a, a, where you're like, oh yeah, like we're super stoked about this and we have these big plans and then and it's, it's actually like brought you to your knees. We're like, no, we have to rely on the spirit because like the things that we thought we could do, like, it, it's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> we, we thought we knew uh, what was coming next and, and we don't. So, yeah. But, you know, yeah. I mean, the, you know, Jesus is still on the throne and we're still seeing him at work. Even just listening to our daughter witness to uh, a, a boy uh, in her pre- you know, preschool class, uh, you know, on a drive into town the other day and just like, where did this come from? This girl's like, <laughs> is evangelistic segues out of out of nothing and 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 relentless uh and we're just laughing about it going like okay well the lord's gonna work whether whether we're a part of it or not so yeah yeah that's awesome and and you know i think we've been talking a little bit about revivals as a staff team and you know so much of the themes that we hear is that like it has to start with that humbling process and so you know i can even see in this that you know this might be the, the, the tilling of the soil that the spirit wants to do in you guys um, for what he wants to do next. So that's, that's still encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank all of you for sharing. Um, I know there's so many more stories out there of how the spirit's been at work in mission, um, but it's an encouragement to me. And I, I know it's an encouragement to our church family just to even hear that he is at work in this season. Um, so thank you all so much for, for taking time to join me. Isn't God amazing, church? As I had the opportunity to, to listen to the stories that each of the, the interviews shared this week, I mean, I was so encouraged to know that God has been at work in our church family, in and through our church family in this season. You know, I think as we look back at 2020, the world around us is likely going to see it as a write-off, as a wash. But guess what? We don't need to. 
Yes, there has been hardship. Yes, there has been material losses. Yes, there's been things that we dislike, but because our hope is squarely in Jesus and in the eternal inheritance that he gives us, these losses need not devastate us. You know what, church? And and hear me out. We can actually even be thankful in the midst of the season because we trust that God has been at work through it, using it for his purposes. And so, and I say this with a little bit of fear and trembling, but can we celebrate 2020? Like church, can we actually celebrate what God has done in this very difficult season? Let's rejoice at what God did among us. Let's continue to ask the spirit what he wants to do in us through the season and continue to grow as a family of servant missionaries as we continue to pursue what God wants for us here in the city. I want to finish off by just sharing the promise that God gives to his people in Jeremiah 29. He says this in verse 10, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. It's like the most misunderstood, misquoted verse of the Bible. But for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that an incredible promise? You see, the beauty of what God has said through the prophet Isaiah is that there is a prize at the end of all of this. Church, in Jesus, that promise has been fulfilled. We have him. We have Jesus. That's the promise. That's that's the plan. The plan to give us a hope and a future is that we would come to know and have Jesus. And guess what? In 2020, we've been forced to ask the question, is he enough? And I hope, like me, you have come to conclude that indeed he is enough. Let me close in a word of prayer. Father, this has not been an easy season. It has not been a fun season. And yet, it's been a season where you have not neglected to be at work. It's a season where you have continually shaped your church family, that you've continually prepared the hearts of the people that you have called us on mission to so that they might come and know you. And we trust that you have a good plan at work in this. So Father, I ask as we look back to 2020 and look forward to the work you want to continue to do in 2021, that we might actually rejoice, that we might be able to give thanks that you loved us so much that you wanted to see us become more like you. And we find solace and peace and hope in that reality. I pray this in your name. Amen.